Welcome to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Rimel, registered nurse, founder and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. During her podcast, Krista will interview experienced and successful healthcare professionals on outside-the-box health topics. During their time together, they will have in-depth discussions with trusted medical and health and wellness leaders to discover what they do to stay well using traditional and non-traditional health practices. Experts will share not only what, but why they practice the holistic lifestyle medicine they do and the science that backs their less than mainstream ideas. You'll hear the real and relatable personal health struggles of healthcare providers and what rebelling outside of the traditional healthcare system did to better their lives, careers, and health. Tune in to listen and learn the mind-body-spirit practices from conventional health experts who share hope and inspiration from honest stories of healing while reflecting the scientific-based evidence to wisely guide the inner rebel inside you. It's time to rebel and be well. to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I am honored to have Dr. Suzanne Bartlett Hackenmiller here with me today. In order to give you a glimpse of who she is, both personally and professionally, I want to share her background and bio with you. Dr. Suzanne Bartlett-Hackenmiller, MD, is an OBGYN, an integrative medicine physician who currently resides in Cedar Falls, Iowa. She completed her OBGYN residency at Western Pennsylvania Temple University in Pittsburgh and is a fellowship graduate at the University of Arizona Center for Integrative Medicine. She's both board certified in American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology and the American Board of Integrative Medicine. She holds additional certifications in herbal medicine and is a certified forest therapy guide. She currently serves as medical director for the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy and as medical advisor for the organization All Trails. Dr. Suzanne's motivation to study integrative medicine was the result of parenting a son with autism and caring for her late husband, Dave, during his illness and death from lung cancer. Currently, she sees patients both in person and via telehealth e-visits. She is the author of an award-winning children's book about autism called A Friend Like John, Understanding Autism, and speaks nationally and internationally on the subject of autism, integrative medicine, and nature therapy. Her book, The Outdoor Adventures Guide to Forest Bathing by Falcon Guides, was released in July of 2019. Dr. Suzanne has been quoted and featured in numerous publications and radio programs on the subject of integrative medicine and nature therapy, including Prevention Magazine, WebMD, The Boston Globe, Prevention Australia, The New York Times, American Airlines, American Way Magazine, Iowa Public Radio, Wisconsin Public Radio, BBC World, Women's Health, among others. More information is available at her website, www.integrativeinitiative.com. So welcome, Dr. Suzanne, to the Rebel and Be Well podcast. I'm so grateful that you've taken the time to join us today. Dr. Suzanne will be joining us as a keynote speaker for our September CME retreat in partnership with the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group. This retreat will focus on healing our healers and putting health back into healthcare. Personally, I am eager to talk to Suzanne today as the outdoors has certainly been a sanity space for me during this past year of shutdowns and likely many others. I know Suzanne holds many answers as to how and why nature might be the antidote. 
for our competitive urban life and constant technology and serve as a way to heal our traumas from this past year. So welcome, Dr. Suzanne. I'm happy you're here today. So we have so much to talk about. As you can hear from your your bio, you have such a unique and diverse background. As I contemplated, you know, the right questions to ask, I'm like, gosh, where do you start when you're an expert in so many different arenas in healthcare? It's been a journey, all right. I would imagine. So do you mind just starting telling us a little bit about that journey? How did you go from being a traditional MD into all these other things like herbal medicine, integrative medicine, forest therapy? So I started practicing medicine in about 2000 as a conventional OBGYN, as you mentioned. And people who knew me at that time, many of them are very surprised to see where I've ended up today because it's been such a circuitous route. And I was so conventionally minded back then that many people who knew me then are really surprised to hear what has happened and all the tangents that I've gone on. But (laughs) yeah, I was practicing OBGYN in the mid 2000s, really starting to find that I was quite burned out, actually. Mm. Then life happened. My husband, Dave, as you mentioned in the bio, was diagnosed Mm. with stage four lung cancer in Mm. 2000. And so, you know, yeah, that was one of those things that throws you for a loop. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was not a smoker. So it was a non-smoking related type of lung cancer, but it really was surprising. And he was young and otherwise healthy. So, Mm. uh, so we dealt with that. And um, as you also mentioned, I have a son who has autism and he was young at the time. And when you're dealing with personal health issues or family medical issues, as many of your listeners may be able to relate, it seems like everyone comes at you with their ideas, mm-hmm. what you do to treat family members, even if you're a medical doctor. Mm. And so I found that certain themes kept recurring, uh, whether it was nutritional or supplements or some kind of alternative or complementary approach, these things kept coming up and people would suggest them for my family members. And I felt like I had no idea whether to believe any of these things, whether there was any scientific validity to any of them or whether somebody's idea. And I started to, you know, I was open-minded enough to think, you know, there must be something to some of these claims yet. I of training in any of them. And so, so these, these things just kind of kept cycling around in my head right. and, and really I had no idea where to turn for this kind of information. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to hear Dr. Andrew Weil speak in 2010 mm-hmm. at a conference mm-hmm. and I didn't know who he was at the time, which is funny to many of my patients and people who I know now, because many people have followed him for much longer than I have. I recognized that this was the direction I needed to go for myself for my family members and also my patients. Mm -hmm. And along that time, I was also dealing with patients who were, for example, menopausal women dealing with Mm -hmm. hormonal issues and coming to me with questions about herbal remedies. Mm -hmm. And shortly after the Women's Health Initiative study had come out saying that hormone replacement therapy increased the risk of heart attack, strokes, and breast cancer. And so all these patients of mine were stopping hormone replacement therapy and completely miserable and had no idea what to do. So, so I often say those, those really were the three motivators that made me look into different directions. My husband, my son, and my primarily menopausal patients. Yeah. And so 
So when I learned that Dr. Weil had a program, a fellowship in integrative medicine at the University of Arizona, I immediately realized that was what I wanted to do. Yeah. And time my husband was ill. So I deferred for a couple of years. And then finally in 2012, he insisted that I get going on yeah, it yeah. to the point that he weaned himself down on his oxygen so that he could fly on a plane with me and go so that I would wow. get going. He actually passed away just three weeks after we returned. So he was in hospice at the time, and yet he was determined to get me going on it. And he knew how important it was. And that I think he thought that if I didn't get going, then Mm -hmm. I might not ever do it. I studied integrative medicine. I completed the fellowship in the winter of 2013, 20, January 2014, actually. Um, and I found that during my healing from the grief resulting from Dave's death, that mm-hmm. what I ended up doing was turning to nature, being mm-hmm. outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize it at the time. It's just mm-hmm. what I ended up doing. And and at first it was all about the adrenaline and had to be moving fast, had to be running or biking or things like that. I did a lot of training and competing for various um, adventure triathlons and mountain bike races Mm -hmm. and all of these different things and and just really needed the adrenaline rush. Then in about 2014, heard of this idea of forest bathing, discovered that I was also doing some of that while I was outdoors in nature, doing these various adventurous pursuits. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I recognize that as humans, we need balance. We can't always be going, of course. We can't always be running, Mm -hmm. running away. We need the balance of the quiet, contemplative time. I had practiced yoga for a number of years by then Mm -hmm. and so, and had studied mind-body practices and and really realized that this idea of forest bathing Mm -hmm. was kind of a mind-body practice in nature. You're a incredible example of strength and resilience as not only a physician, but as a human. I appreciate the fact that you've, you know, opened this with being so vulnerable with some of your very human struggles, which I think Unfortunately, it's very difficult for some physicians to do, and you've really put yourself out there in a lot of different ways here and elsewhere to show the human side of yourself. And I find that the best physicians are those that have had some of the hardest personal circumstances that they've had to work through. You know, what I heard as you were talking is you probably have experienced all the stages of grief after the loss of your husband and probably, and the diagnosis of your son. I mean, you had to look at your son as the kid you thought you were having and, and really change that paradigm. And nature served as a place where you could process your grief. You know, maybe you started being angry, like getting all right. that aggression out as you were running those trails and those triathlons. Yes. And then later on, it came to be you maybe your place of finding acceptance, um, right. in, in the, the loss and, and changes in your life. And what a beautiful place to process all of that. Well, thank you for all of those comments. I will just, I just want to say too, I'm going to give a little shout out to my sister, Stephanie, who is obviously my sibling, your friend from Iowa. And she's the one that said, Krista, you have got to follow (laughs) Doc Susie. She's one of the most amazing people I've met. And as we continue to get to know each other better, that certainly becomes more clear. Thank you for starting out with, with so much about you. And so you've had some really hard circumstances dealt to you. I mean, having a husband diagnosed with stage four lung cancer who is not a smoker, otherwise healthy, nobody sees that coming out of left field. So in the things that you've experienced, you know, both personally and professionally that you shared, what non-traditional 
integrative therapies have you found to be most, were most helpful for him, for your son, for you? I know you shared nature being one of them, but what other pieces of advice can you give to people maybe going through something really hard right now? Well, that's a great question. And you know, I was really obviously very early in my integrative studies when, when Dave was ill and dying. However, one thing was the best treatment for him of all things Mm -hmm. that we ever tried, including I would argue his chemotherapy. Well, that might be a stretch, but, but it was breathing techniques. Mm. If you can imagine someone struggling to breathe, requiring oxygen, Mm -hmm. you know, in the very final stages of lung cancer, I think probably anybody can imagine how awful it is to not be able to breathe. Mm -hmm. We've maybe had experiences underwater or in some kind of situation where oxygen was limited and you have that, Mm -hmm. or maybe a choking type of experience where you have that sense of not being able to breathe and how immediately that triggers an anxiety response. Right. And so that was something that was really eye-opening to me in his last Mm -hmm. couple of months was how quickly and suddenly he could go from seemingly just fine to Mm -hmm. all of a sudden having just tremendous anxiety and panic over inability to breathe. And he was not somebody who had any issues with anxiety prior to his illness. Right. I would have to literally get in his face. I would cradle his face with my hands and breathe with him. And I would, I would do either Dr. Wiles four, seven, eight breath that he teaches simply work with him on slowing down his exhale, slowing Mm -hmm. down the the out breath with Mm -hmm. pursed lips and just breathing with him and being in his face and guiding him through that. Mm -hmm turned out that I was the only person who could help him in those moments. Mm -hmm. And there were a few instances where he was in the hospital in the last couple of weeks and, or months. And if I wasn't there, a nurse was unable to do anything to Mm -hmm. help him. Um, They would give him some Ativan or medications to try to help. But the only thing that worked Mm -hmm. was breathing. I, I tried in the very last few weeks to get him to be able to do it on his own, but that was, that was still difficult for him really was something to be able to just help him in that way. And and it was a very intimate experience too. Mm -hmm. And since that time I've used breathing techniques with patients on numerous occasions, Mm -hmm. including one time that I was seeing a patient with Parkinson's who was a young patient who had full body tremor from Parkinson's Mm -hmm. and it upset her. She, she started to cry and I asked her if she wanted to try a breathing technique. And within two and a half minutes, I witnessed her full body tremor go from head to toe to no tremor. Wow. There's no shot that you could give a patient, maybe short of Haldol, that would stop a full body tremor that quickly. And so, Mm -hmm. so again, it it was just even witnessing some of the effectiveness of treatments like this that are free Mm -hmm. and are non-pharmaceutical that Mm -hmm. worked better than anything with my husband. So, and, and honestly, we use breathing techniques with my son and I think, and we called them yoga breathing Mm -hmm. with him and they were into his IEP when he was in upper elementary and junior high and having a lot of anxiety issues. Sure. 
And, you know, you're hearing so much about breath and breath work, you know, I think in the alternative medicine space. And as you mentioned, Suzanne, you know, it's one of those things, it's free. There are not side effects. And it's hard sometimes in traditional medicine to wrap your head around the fact that something as simple as breathing can make such a profound difference. But you've had very profound experiences with that personally and professionally. I've seen it. And there's nothing more frightening for a patient or a healthcare professional than when your patient can't breathe. So there's an anxiety response that happens obviously primarily for the patient, but the clinicians and professionals who are caring for the person feel it too. And sometimes we feed off each other. So if we can coach our professionals to learn how to have a better breathing technique in those times of crisis, and then also even more importantly, translate that to our patients. I mean, what a beautiful gift that we can give someone. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, think of you and your husband in those moments and get kind of choked up because I think I'm going to dare to say that you've probably experienced more profoundly than most of us, but sometimes the greatest gifts we can give people is those peaceful moments as they're passing, then the interventions we give them to keep them alive. And it's a big mind shift to kind of come to that place of acceptance. But what a beautiful thing and moments that you two obviously shared through breath. Um, Right. And, and I, my hunch is you probably found yourself doing those maybe even just, you know, for years on, you know, since those moments to, to, for yourself. Yes. Most definitely. I use breathing techniques on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So take note, everyone who's listening, breath is very powerful. You're hearing it from a really well known and regarded MD. So don't dismiss the power of breath. Do you find yourself using breathing techniques in nature or does nature naturally just pull that out in you? Well, sometimes, certainly. So I guide groups in forest therapy walks and I will often start with an invitation that uses a breathing technique to just kind of start to slow down and shake off the road dust, as we say, and allow them to sink kind of deeper into a kind of a subconscious place. Yeah. For someone who first hears the term forest bathing, all kinds of different visuals go through people's minds. So there's a history to forest bathing and there's a science to forest bathing. Can you tell the audience, then the listeners a little bit about, I mean, what is forest bathing and what, where's the scientific evidence that this really does anything? You can imagine that when I started offering forest bathing in Iowa, people thought I was off my rocker and they may still. That's fine. Um, Those of us in Minnesota don't. So, (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. So forest bathing is literally translated from the Japanese term shininyoku, which was coined in the early 1980s by a couple of physicians in Japan who started recognizing that their patients were increasingly stressed out, suffering from mental health conditions such as depression and anxiety, and also that the incidence of suicide was rising in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. These doctors, Dr. Lee and Dr. Miyazaki, started taking people outdoors about an hour outside the city of Tokyo into a forested area. Mm -hmm. And originally they did three-day, two-night forest bathing events where they guided people to simply slow down, be in nature, 
taking it in through the senses with no agenda to meditate or pray or breathe or do yoga or exercise or hike, no agenda other than just to take it in. They started studying their participants right off the bat and found that people did report on their questionnaires market improvements in really all aspects of mental health, comparing before and after Mm -hmm. forest bathing. And we use those terms fairly interchangeably now. The practice was brought to the United States by a guy named Amos Clifford, who's a friend of mine who founded the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy Guides all over the country and now all over the world in this practice. So that kind of similar to embarking upon a yoga practice. Mm -hmm. It's hard to just decide to go and practice yoga without a guide or a teacher. And so the thought is that a guide can help people to gain the experience of this practice. Mm -hmm. So there is actually a process to become a certified forest therapy instructor. And you, in fact, went through that certification. And how long is that certification program? Month practicum. Okay. It's a lot involved than people probably would imagine. Uh, it took a week long in-person residential experience week, followed by six months of practicum with a mentor and a structured curriculum. Wow. That's intensive. It actually was. It was a lot more rigorous than I expected. However, it was the most fun school. I was bummed when it was over. (laughs) Oh, I bet. And isn't it It's so wonderful when you find a program that you're like, I actually like going to school. And who doesn't want to go to school outside? You know, and as you were talking about earlier with the breath, so I think this last year has left all of us with so many moments that kind of took our breath away, right? Like it was a traumatic year. How do you see time in nature, you know, just kind of as the layperson does, or a more specific forest bathing experience help us recover from what we've experienced this year? First of all, I think one thing that we talk about a lot in forest therapy is, is that idea of a reciprocal relationship with nature so that we're thinking about both what we can gain from being in nature, but also Mm -hmm. ways in which we can give back. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that, especially during this time where we've seen more and more people heading outdoors, um, we're also seeing some trauma to natural spaces because of increased foot traffic, increased pets, increased litter, things like that. And so I think that reciprocal relationship is something that we should all think about kind of first and foremost. That being said, there are so many ways we can heal in nature and we can heal nature back. Studies are finding that the nature experience itself, the the what of the prescription doesn't matter so much as as the just doing of it. Mm -hmm. And it's are finding that when people find an activity that they enjoy, Mm-hmm. they derive benefit. Mm-hmm. So going outdoors and walking, hiking, running, sitting, gazing, bird watching, fishing, you know, whatever the activity is, if you enjoy it and you're outdoors, you're benefiting from it. So it doesn't have to be some fancy new thing. It's just yeah. getting outdoors. The other thing that we're finding is there are grades of nature experiences. Okay. So going to a national park 
experience that is at the, you know, the pinnacle experience that we would all love to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And having an experience like that might be therapeutic and the experience and the memories will last for days and weeks and months and maybe even years. Mm -hmm. So obviously that that's desirable, but difficult to do, especially during a pandemic. And for all kinds of reasons, most of us can't just head to a national park any given day. Right. When you think of grades of nature experience, there's that. There's also then the heading out to a maybe closer state park or something. Okay. And then there's the community park down the street. There's your backyard. There's Mm -hmm. gazing out your window. There's interacting with a potted plant. Mm -hmm. And all of these nature experiences have value. And one thing that I'm talking a lot with some nature researchers about right now is what if it turns out that we can benefit from doses of all of these different things? If today my best bet is hanging out with my potted plant for 20 minutes, that's great. Mm -hmm. If I plan a trip to a more immersive, deeper pinnacle nature experience, that's great. We can't always do those things, but so yeah, we can gain and benefit and heal in nature in all kinds of different ways. We talk about the idea of sit spot that I, I think is worth sharing with your listeners. And it's just this idea of spending 20 minutes in nature with no agenda, Mm -hmm. just noticing what you notice. And that could be walking, it could be sitting, it can be looking out your window. And again, it could even be, and I've done it with a potted plant. And it Mm -hmm. seems funny, but just sitting there and if you feel like it, kind of go through the senses and and see what you see and hear and smell and feel. And then I often recommend journaling afterwards Mm -hmm. because frequently I'll do that and I'll think, oh, there's there's not going to be any great experience in this, but inevitably some metaphor for my life will shine through or, Mm -hmm. or I'll just have some enjoyment of watching some little creature, even ants and dandelion. What do your physician colleagues think of all of this when they hear you talk and speak or they read your book? Well, I do live in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And so I am often, yeah, often people are a little quizzical about what I'm really doing. And a lot of them don't really ask. They may not really want to know. And that's fine too. Okay. (laughs) I often say I have my foot in both doors. I have my conventional practice where I can talk medicine and surgery with the best of them. Mm -hmm. And I have my other foot firmly planted in the integrative medicine world and the nature world. And so, so yeah, a lot of times it's kind of a don't ask, don't tell with my conventional colleagues and it's just fine that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Understand. But I think you've also had conventional colleagues who've probably struggled with things like burnout, exhaustion, and have they come to you and said, could this help me? Yes, I have. I've actually done forest bathing walks where hospital staff have attended. Those are honestly some some of the most favorite experiences I've had as a guide have been with the people who I call the draggies, yeah. the people who somebody dragged them, uh, whether it was a spouse or whatever. And those people are very skeptical and very, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just hoping this will get over with quickly. Yeah. And one thing we talk about in forest therapy is that our hope is that the participants will confront the edge of their comfort zone. Okay. 
I personally think that that's where the magic happens. That's mm-hmm. where healing happens when we do something that's a little bit uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I often will say we should do something each day that scares us. Mm. And Is that a doctor's, and I, that's doctor's advice? I'm a bit of an <laughs> adrenaline junkie, as we've discussed. Yeah. Um, people who are obstetricians and surgeons tend to have these traits. I've studied myself quite a bit. Yeah. So you get these doctors out or these really skeptical participants and uh-huh. almost inevitably they're the ones who have the most profound experience. And that's the that's, most fun. That's the fun. Those aha moments when you see someone right. whose mind just like shifted completely. Yeah. I would imagine you see a lot of like sympathetic, parasympathetic shifts. Absolutely. It's, it's amazing yeah. to witness happens. And we have a saying in forest therapy that, that the forest is the therapist. The guide just opens the doors. It's beautiful. So in your ideal week, how many hours would you want to spend forest bathing? Well, in my ideal week, love to spend 30 to 60 minutes a day Mm -hmm. forest bathing. That is not my reality currently. And I don't know that I would want all of my time to be in forest bathing, contemplative, quiet, mind, body, meditative type practice because I also enjoy so many different things that I do outdoors. And so I strive for at least an hour a day of being outdoors Mm -hmm. in as much nature as possible. I would love to have more time than that, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm also, I work and and work. (laughs) Interestingly, some some numbers are starting to emerge from the research suggesting that perhaps 120 minutes per day is a threshold, or I'm sorry, 120 minutes per week is a mm-hmm. threshold where we have improved well-being and improved health. Okay. So, and that that uh, continues to increase up to 200 to 300 minutes per week, but after 300 minutes per week, there is not additional Benefit. benefit. Okay. Okay. So, so Interesting. Kind of, you know, and I'm a science geek and a, you know, I love when science can confirm what we already inherently know. We mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. no out in nature, we know that it's good for us. Um, and yet I've presented at conferences. Yeah. Come to think of it. I've taken a lot of doctors on forest therapy walks at conferences. Yeah. Um, Usually they're already a little bit there because they're coming to that would be open enough to offer such a thing. And then they're showing up to my session. But I also, I'll never forget one time that I had a poster presentation at a huge international conference and I was standing there and this orthopedic surgeon, pretty big wig guy from a very large institution walked by and he looked at my studies cited on my poster and he he paused and he's looking at him and he has a physical look on his face. Yeah. And then he goes, hmm, well, I'm glad to see you have some studies. And he spun on his foot and turned away <laughs> and walked away. Just, it, just, I laughed, I laughed yeah. out loud yeah. that, he, that this guy would not believe that nature is good for you unless I had the research mm-hmm. to prove it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And isn't it, it's so interesting in medicine, like we'll just minimize and downplay and dismiss anything that is not quantified, you know, by cross-sectional longitudinal. I mean, every study in every which way, and then we'll be like, okay, now it's warranted to advise it. So we can safely recommend it to patients (laughs) now. 
<laughs> because otherwise <laughs> nature is for sure unsafe to recommend. Right. <laughs> so response curve. Uh, you think of how many pharmaceuticals you recommend and then, you know, nature feels like a little dicey. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's way too woo woo. <laughs> well, I personally am drawn to clinicians who have the education, they have the science mind and they are willing to look at things very outside of the box. Um, hence, you know, that kind of places you in our rebel category, which we love. We like rebels here. Would I your colleagues say you're a healthcare rebel? I am pretty sure many of my colleagues would say I'm a healthcare rebel. And some of them, again, probably think I've completely lost it. Whatever. So for those that would say skeptically, you know, you're a rebel, what would you come back and say, hey, this is my cause. This is why I'm doing this. I would say that I have lived it. I have mm -hmm. seen firsthand with myself, with my family, with my patients, with participants who join me in walks that this is a faster track to healing than many of the other things that I was taught in medical school and residency. Mm -hmm. Gosh, I've had people on walks have some incredible breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. I had a woman one time who had just survived a suicide attempt mm -hmm. and shared with me and the entire group that during an invitation of our forest therapy walk, she had the revelation that she wanted to live. Wow. Incredibly powerful. And I can guarantee you that probably would not have happened in a hospital. I would agree. Mm -hmm. I don't think hospitals tend to be very healing for mm -hmm. mental health conditions. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely wholeheartedly 100% agree. So where the capacity to heal in the hospital ends, nature can pick it back up and take it people to a different, different place to heal. And, you know, I see more hospitals integrating nature yes. into their designs, which I think is phenomenal. So the pioneers of the work, such as yourself and those physicians and scientists in Japan, you know, it's now being integrated into our facilities because in general, hospitals are not great places to sleep, right. eat, heal. Um, they're very disruptive. And the more we can incorporate like you said, even just plants, like have some plants in the hospital floor or nearby, um, have right. windows, have sunlight coming in, how powerful that can be for people to heal. Right. There was a very well-known study way back in 1984, the Ulrich study that found that patients in a hospital, you probably have heard this study, patients in a hospital who have a, a view of a tree outside their window as opposed to a view of like a an air conditioning unit or something have shorter lengths of stay by almost an entire day they have fewer requirements for pain medications and overall fewer complaints i mean and that's an older study but so remarkable that it gets quoted all the time and so yeah. simple yeah. Yeah. And why wouldn't we do that for our patients? Right. Like exactly. just for our, hu for humankind. So right. that's really powerful. You know, one of the most powerful visuals I saw this year, granted, we all saw plenty was physicians and nurses taking dying COVID patients outside. 
I don't know if you saw any of those. I think most of them are out of Wuhan, China, but they would take kind of as a last, you know, wish before passing, they would just take them outside to see a sunset or a sunrise. And I was like, gosh, what a beautiful gift to give someone before they go. I mean, and what a peaceful way to let someone pass is, yeah, yeah, just kind of, you know, being in the presence of something so powerful and majestic as, as nature and, and a sunrise or sunset. So nature's powerful in life. um, And in that instance, death. It gives me goosebumps to hear you say that. And I think that we do not do a good job in this country dealing with death. And so that's a beautiful example of, of something we could do better on. Um, so a lot of healing can happen in nature of, of, in all spans of life and death, I guess, is the uh, lesson to be learned in that. So Suzanne, if people want to find out more about you, either they want to, you know, drive to Iowa, they're in Iowa and they say, I want her, (laughs) I want her to prescribe nature for my hormone disruption. So, which you may find me on your doorstep really soon, or, you know, they say, I want to do a forest therapy session with Suzanne. I mean, or they just want to learn more about you. They want to read about your work. Where can they find you? Well, they are welcome to contact me through my website, which you mentioned earlier. It's integrativeinitiative.com. I try to keep it up to date with upcoming events that I'm guiding and leading, although there have been so few, except two weeks ago, I did my first in-person walk in a year. Yay. forest therapy walk. And it was just so good to be outside. So yeah, there have been a lot fewer. We've done a lot of virtual walks, even though Mm -hmm. this past year, which has been an interesting way to combine technology and nature. Given the times you were creative. I saw that and I was like, oh, she's, you are, you are not letting anything stop you, which I love. And apparently, (laughs) you know, a lot of people probably appreciated. But yes, and I'm on social media. Um, so I'm at Doc Susie on Instagram and Twitter and whatever. So I'm out there and I would yeah. love it if your listeners would connect with me. I love hearing stories about how things have worked for them. I love hearing back. Um, also, people can go to the website natureandforesttherapy.org okay. and there's a listing of where they can find a forest therapy guide in their area, potentially all over the country and all over the world. Oh, that's really helpful to know. And can you say the name of your book again and where can people find your book? It is called The Outdoor Adventurer's Guide to Forest Bathing. It's published by Falcon Guides. It combines a little bit of the adventure mentality with forest bathing. I also included quite a bit of herbal medicine, included some of the, uh, the studies of science or the science of nature and healing, mm-hmm. um, as well as some testimonials from elite athletes who, whether it's people who are competitive kayakers or mm-hmm. trail runners or things like that. I interviewed a number of them and I wanted to get kind of into the question of, is there something about nature that is yeah. why you do what you do? Yeah. Because you're not a marathon runner on pavement. You run these ultra marathons in nature. And what what is it about nature right. that you're on to or helps you excel in your field? Right. So it was fun to interview those people. Very fun. So, yeah. So anyway, and you asked where it is. It's online uh, through the publisher, Falcon Guides, um, and of course, Amazon, Barnes mm-hmm. & Noble. And it's fun when I see it in brick and mortar stores too. So 
I love that. I know, you know, I will tell you, Amazon's become all of our best friend kind of yeah. <laughs> lately. And oh, this past year, stop. but every time now I place an order for your book, I get five copies because it is the book I hand out the most at the point. Oh. And it is the book that I've given to the most physicians. I think it's oh. greatly benefited a number of people. And it's, it feels like it's something that people can do. Like sometimes there are things that just feel like, well, I, that would take like a lot of time and I have to go study this or I have to go get certified. I think people feel like they can do forest bathing probably a little bit easier than maybe some of the other integrative practices that we recommend. Okay, so now I want to flip and see if we can get to know you a little bit more personally. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) So we've got the fire round questions and a few this or that, and I promise they won't be painful. Okay, so tell us the top three health habits that you have seen make the biggest difference in your life or patients' lives. All right, well, I mentioned one, breathing techniques. Two, nature, not in any order. And three, I would say nutrition. We Mm -hmm. have to eat better. We are what we eat. We are what we eat eats. And we need to do better with what we put in our bodies. Of the points five pillars, which is the easiest for you to incorporate into your life and which takes the most effort? And these are the five. Nutrition, movement, sleep, restoration, community. Which is the easiest and the hardest for you? Yeah, for me is probably movement because I have to do it yeah. or I start to fall apart. Um, the most difficult is restoration. Okay. I'm notoriously bad at it. Yeah. So you have to self-prescribe restoration. I, or somebody has to prescribe it to me. Uh-huh. So Yes. I heard you say that earlier. So very, I understand. Tell us a health habit you have that your family wishes you would ditch. We're like, mom, give this one up. The one that my family wishes I would ditch. There are probably tons of them, but probably the number one that I can think of is how much I stress the importance of clean products and things that they put on their skin or eat. And the fact that we have to be really careful, I think, about the contaminants in our food and in our products and, and all of the things. I have your back on that one. Tell your kids. <laughs> Excellent. You. So where do you go for health information, both inside and outside the box? I go to such common things as up-to-date Um, I look at my American College of OBGYN website. Mm -hmm. Um, I also use things like Consumer Labs and Traditional Medicinals database for my outside-the-box information. Mm -hmm. What's your most surprising hobby? Well, I used to like to quilt. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. I just haven't, but it's, you know, something that is deep in my genes, I think. My mom and my grandma and probably every generation before that. And I used to love to quilt that someday I might get back. I also love to play the piano and I don't enough. Okay. So as we mentioned, you are the medical director of all trails. So you probably know about more great trails all around than most people. What's your favorite trail? Probably one of the most meaningful trails was hiking Yosemite Falls in Yosemite National Park, which I did with my two kids back in 2015. And we managed to get up behind the falls oh, wow. and off trail, but there was a guide taking people off trail yeah. and he invited us to follow his group. Yeah. And so we did. And then the group, 
that he was leading took off and left. And so my kids and I stayed for probably an hour, hour and a half, just behind the falls and next to the falls and just being in the midst of the falls. And it was one of those things, one of the places that I go to in those moments where someone says, picture a beautiful place. Yeah. I'm that you felt so relaxed. And that's my go-to that's your play. go-to. Oh, that had to be a really incredible experience. Just how powerful to be behind those, that Yosemite yeah, it, waterfall. It was not marked. So it wouldn't have been something we would have ever been able to do if this guide hadn't invited us. And of course you're thinking, I don't want to go with a tour guide, sure. you know, out and follow this group of 20 people, but they, you know, were there for a few minutes, snapped their photos and took yeah. off and yeah. were able to day and just have it all to ourselves. So that was absolutely magical. A serendipitous encounter. Thankfully you crossed paths, huh? Beautiful. What do you think the world needs more of? Compassion. Acceptance. Mm -hmm. Very good answer. Understand, especially after 2020, right? Yeah. Okay. A couple quick this or that. Are you an early riser or a night owl? Early riser. Mountains or beach? Right now, mountains, but I love both. Yeah. Introvert or extrovert? This stumped me when I had to think about it. I think I have so many traits of each that a lot of people would immediately say extrovert, although I have really enjoyed some aspects of this past year of reversion. So I think I'm probably becoming a little bit of both 50 50 That's maybe that was one of the silver lining lessons in 2020 perhaps. perhaps massage or acupuncture massage and how about hiking or biking because I see you doing a lot of both so I threw that yeah. one in there mountain biking for sure yeah if you're a mountain biker you have to follow doc Susie on Instagram because she takes some of the most <laughs> unbelievable, most adventure-filled, fun mountain biking photos on your way. And I was like, I want to drive to Iowa and go mountain biking with you. That's so fun. Well, we do a lot of mountain biking, not in Iowa, but there is some surprisingly good mountain biking here. Yeah. Where do you go in Iowa? We have trails near us. We're lucky to have some decent trails around us. Um, And closer to the Mississippi, there are more hills and things. Well, Suzanne, I just want to wrap up our conversation by saying a very heartfelt thank you for all of the incredible personal and professional wisdom and stories and purpose and passion that you shared with us today. It was so fun to have this time with you and get to know you better. And I just want to remind our audience that Dr. Suzanne will be our keynote speaker this fall, along with the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group and Dr. Bill Manahan and Dr. Carolyn Torkelson. And They will all be at the point September 30th to October 2nd. This retreat is for healthcare professionals. It is offering continuing medical education credits. And I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Outdoor Adventures Guide to Forest Bathing. You've gotten to know Dr. Suzanne a little bit here, but this will allow you to go on a few adventures with her. So if you want to find out more about The Point, you can go to our website, The Point Retreats, or follow us on our social media handles, The Point Retreats, on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Otherwise, I want to thank everybody for listening today. I want to thank Dr. Suzanne for taking time out of her busy life to be with us. We hope that this podcast inspires all of you to rebel and be well. Our 
next podcast episode will be with Dr. Bill Manahan. Dr. Bill is the past president of the American Holistic Medical Association and author of the book, Eat for Health. Dr. Manahan co-founded the Wellness Center of Minnesota, one of America's first physician-led integrative medicine centers. He currently co-chairs the Minnesota Holistic Medicine Group. You've been listening to the Rebel and Be Well podcast, hosted by Krista Reimel, registered nurse, founder, and CEO of Lifestyle Medicine Retreat Center, The Point Retreats, which is located amidst the woods and waters of northern Minnesota. If you'd like to ask Krista Reimel, or one of our past or upcoming guests, a question that will be aired on a future show, simply call 612-352-9177 and leave a message. Please know that when you leave a message, it may be used in whole or in part on a future podcast episode. Again, that phone number is 612-352-9177. Please hit subscribe on whatever podcast source you found us on and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear feedback. Rebel and Be Well is recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting located in St. Paul, Minnesota. Find them online at mnpodcasting.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual participants alone and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or policies of The Point Retreats, Minnesota Podcasting, or any other organization. All medical issues, concerns, diagnoses, medications, and treatments must be managed by your doctor. We do not replace any clinician's medical advice or treatment. Join us next time for Rebel and Be Well.